have let it go. Hello, Echo Online. Tom, I yes, have a joke Haley. for you. All right, I'm ready. Oh, okay. I never knew how technologically advanced Moses was, but today I learned he had the first tablet that could connect to the cloud. Pfft, is your mind blown? Mine was. What really? Welcome to a life-giving local church where you'll find the friendship and support you've been looking for. At Echo, we want to help you find your place, people, and your purpose. We believe this is what we are all seeking, and we can't wait to share it with you. Please join us for our services at Mayo High School on Sundays at 9.15 or 10.45. We're eager to meet you and extend a warm welcome to the Echo Church family. Did you know that in 2023, we raised $129,000 for our Here to Stay campaign? How amazing is that? You may applaud now. Thank you for paving the way forward. Your consistent giving boosts our confidence as we step into the significant responsibility of buying a building in 2024. If you have not set up automatic recurring gifts through a bank transaction, today is a great time to do so. Sure is. For those who wish to partner with us financially to impact Rochester, you have two convenient giving options today. First, visit our website where you can set up automatic recurring donations, allowing us to plan boldly and confidently for the future. Second, you can easily send your contribution via Venmo to We Are The Echo Church. We appreciate your kind and thoughtful investments. Enjoy a go online service! Thank you.
Hey, we're so glad that you're here at uh, Echo Church. Uh, as I was thinking about the new year, I, I was just um, compelled to, to, to kind of unfold a series that we, we're going to call Home. Uh, I want scripture to just hit us in every area of our home, right? Like, like every area of our life. And, and the byline is get your blank in order. And uh, I'm excited to unpack that in the next uh, few weeks here. But in 1 Timothy 3, 4, the message version says this, we must, he must handle his own affairs well. I believe if we could paraphrase that, it would say this, get your blank in order. Uh, and, and, and again, like contextually, uh, really that first Timothy reference is to leaders. And, and, and I, I feel compelled to tell you that even though you may not think you're a leader, you're a leader. You may not be leading a large organization. You might not be um, uh, accomplishing these massive tasks. But I tell you what, this is what God wants you to hear in 2024. You're a leader. And you're called to lead in whatever context you're found in. And therefore, if we're going to lead, then we've got to put a few things in order. Look at your neighbor and say, get your blank in order. <laughs> And if you're anything like, like me, from time to time, you feel like you've got to get your sock drawer in order. Anybody relate out there? You know what I'm saying? Like, like, like it, sometimes it's a struggle. You know what I'm saying? I was like, I know, I know the socks I prefer to wear, and I'm just looking and looking and looking, not finding any pairs out there. A little anger eventually, uh, you know, whelms up, and then eventually I throw it all on the ground, and then I have to re-kind of put them together. Um, anyway, I'm just kind of... <clears throat> throwing my dirty laundry out in front of you. <laughs> that was so bad. <laughs> and uh, I made that up right there. I'm so proud of it. So proud of it. Uh, others of you, you like uh, putting your pantry in order, your office, your closet, your garage. Any wives out there want to say amen to the garage? Uh, or your center, center council of your vehicle. Uh, get your blank in order. And, and, and I think the reason why things get disordered in our life is because we get busy doing things, right? And we're, we're, we're set on the task. And when we get so set on the task and what we want to accomplish, so often things just get moved in different places. And growing up, I remember my dad, I'd be working with my dad on, on the car, or with projects around the house. And my dad would send me into the garage to go find this one tool in this very specific area. And then I would go to that drawer, nowhere to be found. <laughs> Anybody relate to that? Yes, I need counseling for that as well. You know, because if it was him looking, he would find it. And now I'm a parent and I completely relate. Completely to relate. I know, I know where it is. But I think the new year is, is, is a perfect time to just take a step back, to pause for a second and go, what really do I need to get in order? And today what I want to talk about, and if I can fill in the blank for you, is I like for us to get our health in order. Everybody look at, look at your neighbor and say, get your health in order. And look at your other neighbor and say, stop handing me those Cheetos. <laughs> I want to talk about the health dial. Uh, um, and so what we're going to do is we're going to lean into a story in the Old Testament in 2 Kings chapter 5. 2 Kings chapter 
5. Uh, so as you're turning to that, um, I, I thought it would be only appropriate for me to deliver one of my horrifically bad jokes. Anybody want to hear a bad joke? Okay. I, I, lo- I, I, ha- I can't disappoint my fans out there. Um, a new gym opened near me, and they're currently going door to door, signing up new members. It's called Jehovah Fitness. <laughs> last night, uh, that was a good one. That was a good one. Uh, last night, I was sitting there having dinner with family, and literally, I answered a phone call, and it was a Jehovah Witness wanting to talk to me about Jesus. And, and as a pastor, I kind of got out because I was like, well, actually, I want to be talking about Jesus tomorrow morning, so I think I'm going to eat my dinner. See you later. <laughs> Second Kings, Second Kings chapter 5. five. Um, there's a man named Naaman, and uh, he has some health issues. But what we need to know about Naaman is this, is he's, he's a fierce commander in, in, in Aram's army. And oh, by the way, that army is an enemy to the Israelites. What we find, about, find out about Nahum is this. He is an absolute boss. He's highly respected and he's been highly esteemed in victory. But there's an interesting little descriptor within this story as, as you may be reading it in your own Bible at this moment. And it says something like, like this. It says, although he was brave, he had leprosy. And I don't know about you, but like that was one of those lines that kind of just got me to pause. Just pause for one second. And, and I feel like what a dynamic type of sentence. Brave, brave in victory, right? Brave in war and battle, yet he had leprosy. And I just felt compelled to remind you that, that you cannot separate your success from, from your struggles. And so often, though, we like to do that because none of us like the struggle. None of us like pushing a rock up the hill. We, we, we don't want to, to make that kind of uh, effort. And then when we get to the place of success, honestly, quite frankly, it's really easy to forget about the struggle that we have navigated through. And so when I was thinking about Naaman, thinking about that concept that, that you can't separate his success from his struggle, I think is simply true. Think about what Naaman does. He is a fierce warrior and a command. I just have to wonder, we don't have the details of when he had leprosy or when he didn't, but, but I, I just wonder if there were battles where he entered into the battle with this mentality as a dead man. That he has everything to gain and nothing to lose. I wonder if it was his struggle. I wonder if it was his sickness that helped compel him into the success in victory. And I feel like someone here needs to hear that. Because so often we look back and, and we have this disdain from the things that circumstances or the issues or the drama or our sickness or whatever else we want to put in that blank has affected us. And I just want to tell you this is maybe, quite possibly, your success is predicated upon how you navigate through that struggle. 
On a side note, uh, during one of those raids into Israel, they took people back to their nation to become their slaves, their servants. And, and it says in the story that, that Naaman, Naaman's wife actually uh, was a beneficiary of a, a young girl that was captured and kidnapped, in essence, and brought into the home. And, and that servant girl observes Naaman and his sickness and makes mention to the wife, like, what if Naaman would go to Israel and would go find the prophet and the prophet might heal him? Now, interesting enough, this young girl, I mean, I think she's naive enough to, to maybe present that, but then also forgiving enough to even offer it, which is crazy in itself. And, and, and uh, the word gets back to Naaman, and, and Naaman, what does he do? He, he's desperate enough to seek healing, that he was, he's willing to take the advice and the direction of his servant girl. And so what does he do? He, he packs up his bags, right? You know, he gets his donkeys and his caravan and, and they take, take uh, 600 pounds of silver and 6,000 shekels of gold in 10 outfits because he's a fashionista. You know, he's got to look good on the world. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. No, maybe not. Uh, probably not. He's offering that obviously to, to whomever. But interesting enough, as I was thinking about um, those numbers, at least my mind, asks the question, like, well, what does that really mean? Like, you know, like, like what is a shekel? You know, what does that really man- matter? You know, what, what could that mean to us? So I, I looked it up, and I found that, that 6,000 shekels is equivalent of 600 day laborers working for an entire year. That's how much gold he brought. That's how desperate he was. The same commentator, uh, commentator makes mention that it's the equivalent of modern day, fi- modern day finances to be $750 million. I mean, when we talk about Naaman and what he achieved and who he was, he was the man. <laughs> you know, like he, he has a claim. He has, he has risen to the level of leadership. And boy, his life is looking great in one aspect, but then falling completely apart in another. And Naaman, what does he do? He goes and he knocks on Elijah's door. Do you hear that? $750 million knocking at Elijah's door. Oh, how many want someone knocking on your door with $750 million? You know what I'm saying? Like, like, like I'm just telling you, like Naaman came, in, uh, Naaman came to that door and he had expectation he, he, he probably had this, this aspect and attitude of deserving certain things. And if he didn't deserve it, he could at least pay for it. And, and what, is, what does Elijah do? He just keeps binging Netflix. He sends, he sends his servant to go open the door and talk to this man. And, and the servant says, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the prophet just says, go wash in the, in the Jordan seven, day, or seven times and and on the seventh, you will be healed. You'll, you'll, you'll be cured. And, 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 and I don't know about you, but if I was naming, I would be slightly annoyed. I made all this effort. I packed up all the goods. I even brought my 10 outfits, so I'm looking good. And, and now I've come to the door, and Elijah's not answering. And what we read here in 2 Kings 5, verse 11 is this, is Amen, he went away angry. And he said, I thought that, that he would surely come out to me. Now, let me just pause. How many times have you been disappointed because you preemptively thought how something should be? 
That is what we do in our life all the time. He said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of his Lord, right? The Lord, his God, wave his hand. So he would do this religious thing. He would do it, or wave a hand over the spot and cure my leprosy. And then he says, and are not the rivers of Damascus better than all the waters in Israel? Couldn't I have just washed them and been cleansed? So he turned away. And he went off in rage. I mean, I got to be frank with you. If I knock at your door and I have $750 million, you better answer. (laughs) And if you don't answer, I'm just telling you, I'm going to walk away pretty disappointed. And this is exactly what happens here. Naaman walks in with expectation, anticipation. He walks in with financial uh, means and he walks away from the situation because of an attitude. And this is what I've observed. This story is packed full of so many things. And I'll just name a few. Health and wealth and acclaim, service, servitude, hope and compassion, expectation, disappointment, and anger. Which, in my opinion, sounds quite a bit like our life. So let me ask you this question. Where are you in this story? Who do you relate to? Do you relate to Naaman, the one with the sickness, or the one with the means, with the expectations, the financial ability? Or are you the servant girl, the humble servant girl that has compassion and care? Or, or are you Elijah, who, who simply is just being directed by the Holy Spirit? My question To you as you leave 23 and you enter into 24 is this simple question, where are you? Where are you? And let me say it even more clearly. Where's your attitude? Where is your attitude? I want for us to all have an attitude check. Put your tood in order. Put your attitude in order. I I firmly believe that we as followers of Jesus or just human, if we don't address our attitudes first, then our our health cannot be fixed alone. And so often we, we run to trying to address our health matters physical or spiritual or emotional or or mental and we completely forget about the attitudes that have anchored those areas of our life from going anywhere there's a man named Viktor Frankl and he writes a book and a recount to the horrific experience of concentration camps in World War II. He's a Holocaust survivor. He, he dealt with forced labor, labor, limited rations, sanitation, night, sanitation issues, extreme weather, abuse, obvious medical challenges. And Frankel suggests in his book that although you can lose a lot of freedoms, there's one that you can control. And I quote, this is what he says, everything can be taken from man but one thing the last of human freedoms, to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's own way. 
I don't know how you came in to this church. I don't know all of your life experiences, but I can tell you this, with God's help, your attitude can be healthy. It can be made whole and your health can follow where your attitude goes. In order to address your health, like I said, I truly believe the first domino of a healthy life is, is with our attitude. On 2 Kings 5.13, back to the story, Naaman's servant, so we know that Naaman ran away, you know, walked away, and he was very angry. And I, you know, understanding what he would accomplish in battle, I, I would have hated to be around him at that very moment. But Naaman's servants boldly go up to him and said, hey, my, my father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you, would you not have done it? How much more than when he tells you a small thing? It's my paraphrased concept there. They, in essence, plead with him. Like, like if, if the prophet would have asked you to do something large, you would have done it. But just because it's so small and menial, you're forgetting about it. They're, in essence, looking at Naaman and saying this, get your attitude checked. It's a tude check. Like something's got to give. And you know, honestly, like, like it's, it's really cool to read that in the story because it had to take boldness for those servants to look, at the serv- to, to look at Naaman and care enough to interrupt him and to challenge his attitude. And because his attitude was checked, in verse 14 it said this, he went down and he dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God had told him. And his his flesh was restored and became clean like a young boy. And then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God. And he stood before him and he said, Now I know that there is no God in the world except in Israel. So please, his his reaction to, to healing, his generosity, he said, Please take what I have brought to you. But the only reason... He was made whole. It was because his attitude was checked. And what I'm concerned is this, is if we, at the beginning of 2024, if we think we're going to move forward in health, we think we're going to be able to fill in the blank and the other areas that we want to talk about during the season, but we don't first stop at our attitude, I just feel like it's just going to be a phase. It may be something like we've done in the past, but I sense what God wants to do in 2024 is he wants to bring wholeness to you. But he wants to start with your attitude. See, I really do believe prophetically that God wants to make you whole in 2024. Exodus 15, 26 says, I am the Lord who heals you. I am the Lord that heals you. How many are thankful that if God healed someone yesterday, that God can heal someone today? Because God is the same yesterday, today, as he was yesterday, and as he will be tomorrow. God wants to start with your attitude. God wants to start forming in you a willing heart. Here, here, here's a simple way uh, to maybe completely, maybe not completely, but just initially look at your heart and the willingness of it. Are you more into saying no 
are you more prone to say yes? When it comes to things that God is pressing upon your heart, I I think it's just simple to say that God wants to infuse within your heart, in my heart, into our heart, a heart of positivity versus just negative reactions. Because if you're anything like me, there's been times in your life, even though you might have everything you want and be doing what you're doing, comparison can ultimately start manipulating the attitude that God wants you to have. Does anybody relate to that? I remember a couple years into ministry, I, I found myself, I don't know, man, just something wasn't right. And I was processing with those types of feelings and I felt like I was maybe getting a little angry, you know, maybe not quite naming anger, but like, like I just was like, man, what was going on? And I remember it was really, I was, it was really, really bothering me. And I remember going to a conference and listening to this pastor speak and he talked specifically about what he called ministry envy. And I realized at that very moment that I was at the right place at the right time to hear the right thing from the right person. And I realized because the Holy Spirit was speaking to me that I had some ministry envy But it came out of an area where I would have never expected it to because what I was envious of for whatever reason was from a person that was on staff with me that was very, it was, she was very task orientated and was more more or less an hourly uh, employee. And for some reason, I start comparing like what I had and what I didn't have with what she had and what I didn't. It was all just got really confusing. But because of that comparison, it started creeping in and my attitude starts stinking. So often if we're not careful, our health starts deteriorating because of an attitude that should not exist. So what I want to do is I want to fill in that blank. Get your health in order. We've, we've addressed, like, we got to get your attitude. If you get your attitude, then we can start working on our health. And when I talk about health, I, I'm really talking about your spiritual, your mental, emotional, and your physical health. I think it all works together. We are a three-part being. I, I really do believe that. But what, I want to answer this simple question. What does the Bible say about your health? 1 Timothy 4.8 says this, For physical training is some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. I believe this scripture just illustrates and presents the example that health is important. Physical health is important. Mental health, spiritual health, All that stuff is really important, but there is a value system when it comes to your health. And clearly in this scripture, it really presents this idea that you're, although we should care about our physical beings, it is not the one on the top of the scale. You know, and so often when we enter a brand new year, it's like, you know, I need to get back on the bike. I need to start pumping those weights. I need to start eating healthy and yes to all those things, but we need to balance out the rest. Let's get a further picture of what Scripture says. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says this. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your 
bodies. Let me tell you like this. Honor God with a holistic health of your body. Some of you in this room are so physically, physically gifted and physically in health that you have been depleted spiritually. You might even be depleted emotionally or mentally. I believe this scripture isn't just focusing just on the physicality of your being, but your wholeness. And we're not going to honor God the way that he intends us to honor when it comes to our health and to our bodies, unless we are doing that in a balanced way. How about this one? Proverbs 4.20. My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ears to my words. Spiritually, pay attention. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. One's whole body. I'm telling you, the more spiritual health, spiritually healthy we are, the more physically healthy we will become. The more spiritually healthy we will be, the more mentally and emotionally healthy we'll be. Now, how many of you know we cannot neglect the emotional and, and mental aspect? The more healthy we're in that area, it affects those others, other, other areas. So what we need to do is we need to strive to be holistically healthy in 2024. If everybody knows that's easy, shout amen. We need help. Hey, speaking of... Um, the mental, physical, and spiritual. I, I thought it would be fun to take a little bit of an assessment. So everybody take their, take their phones out. You're taking notes here. I needed to write down um, and, and just kind of grade yourself, okay? Because, uh, you know, I'm not here to judge you. You can just judge yourself, you know what I'm saying? Uh, but, but this is a scale, okay? This is a scale. One being like, God help you, okay? Number, and then up to five. Five being like, man, I'm, I'm a beast, okay? I'm a beast. I'm killing it, Okay? I'm the dog over here, okay? So one being, I need help. Five, I've got this all figured out, okay? The first, phys, uh, the first assessment we're gonna do is on our physical, like our physical being. How are we doing? Okay, so let me, let me just go right to, like, like kind of hit you right where it hurts a little bit. Uh, hydration. Let's talk about hydration, okay? Rate your water intake on the scale, like I told you, and the scale of I've got gills to what do you mean coffee doesn't count? It's actually this way, okay? So I've got gills. What do you mean coffee doesn't count? And, and you know, some of you are like, some snooty person is like, I don't drink coffee. I see that Diet Pepsi in your hand. <laughs> How are you doing when it, with your health there? How about this exercise? On the scale of marathon runner to marathon Netflix watcher, how would you describe your regular workout routines? What do you, what do you think, man? What do you think? How about this? Is fitness. This is a good one. This will hit home to some people, I guarantee you. Rate the number of times you've worn workout gear solely for its comfort while having zero intentions of working out. I slightly glanced at my wife last hour, and I had to hear it between the service about that song. And then she was like, well, Andy, you could say some more personal, some more personal stories on, on how your closet is dirty. It's like, yes, we need counseling. How about this mind health? Rate yourself, patience level, on the scale of Zen master to I honk one second after the light turns green. 
Where are you? Where are you? Procrastination. On the scale from I'll do it tomorrow to my middle name is last minute, describe your relationship with deadlines. How are you doing mentally, emotionally with those things? How about this mental, you know, the mind game? I really honestly believe, and we're going to, one of, one of the um, get your blank in order is going to spe- specify on our tech use. Um, but right now, just a quick assessment, you know, with our tech, rate um, your screen time with emojis if you choose. With I'm basically a cyborg or what is an iPhone? <laughs> you know, where you are, where are you? Mind health. Let's jump into the spiritual thing. Um, when it comes to our Bible, on the scale from I memorize the entire book of Psalms daily to I use my Bible as a coaster, where are you in 2024? Prayer. Describe your prayer life. Do you hold prayer meetings with the heavenly host or send up, send up emergency prayers in the parking lot pleading for the best open spot? <laughs> I, 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 same thing happened last hour. You start getting quiet during the spiritual one. I know you pray for a parking spot. I know you do. I do. I do. God is faithful. I'm just telling you. Favor isn't fair. Favor isn't fair. How about fasting? Rate your fasting discipline. Do you fast and pray like Daniel, or do you consider hitting the snooze button during breakfast as a form of fasting? Check mark. Check mark. Come on. Courtesy laugh, guys. Courtesy laugh. Okay, I only kind of joke around in this assessment deal because the truth be told is this, is we've all tried to do this in the past, and we've all failed. And, 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 I'm just telling you, God is faithful and God is patient and God is just simply saying, I want to make you whole in 2024. That this isn't the time to give up because it hasn't worked in the past, but this is a moment to have an honest assessment and say, you know what, God? Yeah, there are some areas that I could grow in. I think the issue sometimes when we enter into a new year and we look at our life, we think of a, a game of Jenga. Anybody ever played Jenga out there? We obviously know this is the beginning, but, but it, if you can just imagine you've played about 20 different rounds and we may not relate to this nice structure and this nice beautiful aesthetic or design because our Jenga game is like on the verge of breaking down with one wrong pull of a block. After one bad decision after another or a lack of intentionality, our Jenga platform doesn't feel firm. Feels like it's on the verge of disaster. But today what I want to tell you is this, albeit that you might feel on the verge of failure, of accident, of one wrong move, that there's hope for us. 
And there's hope for us because God, he sees the big picture as you do, but he's not so concerned about your big issues. He's concerned about the small issue. And I believe today what he's worried about is this, is you intentionally setting up that first block and say, Lord, yeah, I might have entered into Echo Church and man, I've got some attitudes that I've got to address. Yeah, I enter into the church today and I've got a lot of baggage. I've got a lot of concerns. I've got a lot of disappointment. I've got a lot of anger. I've got a lot of unforgiveness. And you're foundation just feels rocky and because it feels so rocky you don't even know if you can even make any changes holistically and today I just sense that the Holy Spirit wants to take out a block and he wants you to strategically place it so there's a chain reaction understanding that your life isn't meant to be meant to be experienced like a Jenga game but more like a domino placed in the right time, in the right place, with the right action, with the right person, who I believe is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to repurpose, renew, re-engage, that he wants to come in humbly and challenge some of your attitudes, some of your preconceptions some of your disappointment, some of your unforgiveness, and, and he wants to make things new. Psalms 51.10, written by David, says this, Create in me a pure heart, O God. Renew, renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not, do not cast from me your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Holy Spirit, would you put our attitudes in order? Holy Spirit, we call you to come to our side. Holy Spirit, would you begin to just speak across this room to people individually and certain attitudes that need to be adjusted, that need to be adapted. Holy Spirit, remind us today you love us. Remind us that you care. God, remind us in our circumstances or our conditions that you are there. Holy Spirit, would you just make yourself present? May we breathe in your joy. May we receive your love. May we receive your healing. 
may we be just like Naaman. When you humbly enter into our life and you change an attitude so that we can be made whole. God, for those that have walked into this space that are physically needing healing, you promised that you would heal. And we lean on to that promise. We believe that, you, that this is a house of miracles, God, that you desire and you care for your children. So would you do your work physically, emotionally? God, for the others of us that have walked in here with baggage, I just ask that, that, that you would, you would just, God, encourage us to maybe just leave those things at your feet today. That what we came with to church, we're not leaving with. We leave with you, with your guidance, your love, and your leading. Jesus, we attune our ears to you. Would you speak in Jesus' name? Amen. Let's seek the Lord. Is the sound of the Savior's robe as he walks into the room?
I think one of the hardest things about change is that it doesn't happen very fast. Like I read this once, this has always stuck in my head, that we vastly overestimate what we can do in two weeks and we vastly underestimate what we could do in 12 months. That seems about right, doesn't it? And so I was just thinking about this thing. Like what could be, I don't know about you guys, but I have these goals for this year. I want to make better changes. I'm trying to get a little healthier, obviously. I mean, I'm trying to get, do these things. Like I have this list, these five things I'm trying to be better at. And sometimes I just forget that even though I'm not where I want to be two weeks from now, we could be well on our way 12 months from now. And so I just want to give you some encouragement because if you decided this year was the year you were going to get healthy and then you were, you know, pounding double cheeseburgers yesterday, it doesn't mean that the year is over. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, there's some people out there, I, I can tell by those laughs, yeah. Uh, it's just, I, I don't want you to miss out on the fact that there's an opportunity to change your life. Let's not be afraid to put in a little bit of extra work. I'm really talking to myself right now. Let's not be afraid to push through a little bit of the difficulty and let's become people that are willing to pursue good things and are willing to put in the work. Sound good? Uh, one of the things we do here at Echo every week is we say a prayer. And uh, I don't know about you guys, but I'm kind of a creature of habit. So I still have to remind myself that there's some new words in the prayer. I, does anybody else still say but? I say but almost every time. I'm sorry. I'm trying to get better. My wife looks at me every week, but I'm going to say and today because I have the microphone. Uh, but let's just if nothing else, let's be reminded that we can make a lot of change by ourselves, but it's all kind of in vain unless Jesus is the, is the domino, right? Unless Jesus is the one kind of instigating these pieces. So let's say this prayer together. Jesus, I surrender. I have more questions and I have value anyway. I acknowledge that you lived, you died, and you rose again, all with us in mind. I accept the rescue that you offer. Save me, forgive me, and lead jesus name and his authority amen let's do this let's celebrate with some people that said that prayer for the very first time today come on you know what else we want to celebrate is those that came to echo for the first time today welcome we're so glad you're here hey you're well on your way to making those changes that's rad all right echo church let's be willing to make some changes let's be willing to step out let's be willing to put in the tough work and let's see god move echo church we're so glad you're here can't wait to see you next week. Have a great week, everybody.